I'm Keith Baker, creator of Eberron, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about the nuts and bolts of organizing a group for a game. In the news, the deck of many things physical release has been delayed, a preview of the new Dungeons and Dragons streaming channel, more million dollar Kickstarters, and more, plus a brand new sketch about the companionship of the orb. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. The podcast this week is sponsored by Second Century Fox, creators of the world's most entertaining and dramatic illusions. From comic tales of poor people being oppressed by the elite to dramatic fables about poor people being oppressed by the uh, elite to sweeping sagas about uh, poor people being oppressed by... Look, can't they oppress someone other than just the poor people? I'm an equal opportunities oppressor. I've oppressed along with the best of them. Now, where's that screenplay I wrote? All the tabletop roleplay news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and I have the plague, as does Jessica. Yay. And with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Players. I don't have the plague and I feel great. Um, I'm, in fact, feeling even better because I'm like, well, it could be worse. And I have living proof of such before me. Because not only do we have the ancient and decayed form of Russ, but we also have, uh, some say that she might be possessed by the spirits of ancient elemental evil. Others, that it's actually nanites. And she was merely a insane scientist that has been transformed into that most terrifying creature, Mumra. But it's not. It is one! It's the only! It's... It's me, Jessica from EM Publishing, and I am still the plague. I am on week three of the plague. And just to be very clear for the podcast listeners, I know everyone's going to think, oh, Jess has been sick for three weeks and now Russ is sick. It's Jess's fault. And I want to say, no, it is not, because I have not seen Russ physically in person for over a month. So this is not on me. Yep. But I do keep receiving those mysterious parcels in the mail with nothing in them. Oh, yeah. I I do cough into boxes and post them to you. I mean, but I do that. I, I do that. <laughs> Peter just hasn't opened theirs. They've been smart. They're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Weird that. Yeah. So enough about our health. Let's talk about the health of the TTRPG industry. Russ, what do you have for us? I have lots of things. I have a, a health issue that Wizards of the Coast are having in a metaphorical wow. sense. <laughs> How's that for a very loose... Wow. Okay. I, like, I, I know you're not very tall, but certainly I was not expecting that amount of reaching to go on. <laughs> um, We're talking about Wizard of the Coast and the deck of many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I found this interesting because it's kind of the part of the business I do. Ooh. So due to a manufacturing issue, the physical version of the deck of many things is having a delayed release date. Uh, so it was meant to be out this month in November. The digital release is still happening on November 14th, the official digital release. So you can still get the PDF and all that stuff. But the physical thing, which I think a lot of people want, because that's where you get the deck of many things, to have mm. a pretty pretty physical, shiny thing, like we were talking about the other week. Uh, so that has been delayed, and they haven't released uh, a new date yet, because I imagine they're trying to sort out the manufacturing logistics thing, and then we'll get a date out to us. Mm. Um, but yeah, so if you have pre-ordered it, you will have access now to the digital uh, bun, you know, version, but your physical one will be delayed. 
Yeah, I think they're perfectly right to do this. That's very mm-hmm. good, like customer facing idea, mm-hmm. really, because honestly, like some of the decks I saw, they were just not fit to go to customers. It mm. was like it's all. I, I, they were cut wonky, is what I am trying to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you seen like, some of the pictures? Wonky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw a yeah. guy like mm-hmm. try to show the deck on a, like a little video review. I was like, damn, that is that is not good. Mm. I mean, I saw that as well. And um, so, what a lot of people do is people do, uh, which is what we're doing and plan to do with our things, is we do a pre-press version mm-hmm. of like sample centre centre reviewers. So that's not the actual version manufacturing version that it'll be so normally you do oh. like a so if things are a bit dodgy then like people understand they're like oh it's a sample copy so but no that apparently this was of the print run that they sent mm. out and so then the reviewers were like yeah there are these issues and they're like yeah yeah we need to redo this yeah so yeah that was just really frustrating though i mean i don't think you can sort oh, of like, put absolutely. any blame mm. on which is anything for that it's just like yeah. when that happens it's you know you've received your proof copies at the office they looked fine what else yeah, can yeah. you do you you, you, you yeah. give the go ahead you pay yeah. the printing yeah. bill and you know, and as we said, they're, they're doing absolutely the right thing. They're mm-hmm. taking the hit and saying no, we're not going to send it out until it's at an acceptable. Quality. I wonder how many it was. Whether it's all of them, whether it was just some of them. I mean, it's, I suppose they need to stop and investigate and find out. Maybe I don't know. Well, well, that does bring up a second issue because uh, part of the issue is it would be very hard to tell because, as I understand it, they come in a slipcase which has more mm. of those like little um, cardboard strips that you tear open uh, to actually get access to it. And again, it's like, on the one hand, I can see why you do that. It makes it very easy to tell that all the things are inside it. It's all intact. Um, if it's been tampered with, that's very evident. But on the other hand, I can also see the point of view of people who are like, well, I don't want to do this. It's destroying this beautiful item that I'm collecting. So they would not be able to tell about what's in the box <laughs> Yeah, about destructive yeah. Uh, inspection. Well, I imagine like the, the printer could do a spot check, though, at least. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, printers would... Well, a good manufacturer will have processes in place to do quality yeah. control and testing at every stage with different batches because in order to get an approval for a printed product, there's always slight variance on reprints, like, because yeah. it's machines, you know, like yeah. something... Anyone that's used their home printer will understand. <laughs> um, I've never managed to use my printer, ever. Oh, I know. History, my ever. Have I ever managed a, to use a printer? My printer is really? such a brat. Why are they such hard devices to use? Why just, I don't... Yeah, I don't I understand just, why it's so difficult just to get a reliable piece of machinery just to print something out every time you need something printed out. Wizards of the Coast are having that conversation in their offices right now of, of this printer thing. Go, why can't the printer <laughs> just print out the cards right Anyway, but yeah, so right. that was my bit of news <laughs> and my leaping segue. Well, and you all learned something with, about well, me and my ability to do high jump when well, I was well, young. Well, we can stick with D&D then for the moment, because there's two more D&D bits. Okay, tell us more. So one of them is on the DM's Guild. Oh, yeah. mm. And this is interesting. So this is a big old book called uh, Chains of Asmodeus. Oh, I've, I've heard details about this one, but I haven't paid too much attention. So it's, a, it's a nearly 300 pages PDF. Um, I, I don't know if there's a print-on-demand version yet or not, but it is a PDF because I, I grabbed the PDF. And it's being released for Extra Life, you know, that um, children's hospital charity yeah, yeah. that uh, Wizards is often involved with. So the proceeds go to Extra Life. It's, a, it's an adventure, for a, a high-level adventure. Mm. Um, levels 11 to 20. Oh, playing in hard mode. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Plus source book for the Nine Hells. Right, right. It includes stat blocks for Asmodeus and all the Lords of the Nine and a bunch of the Archdevils. Mm. It's got like a new corruption mechanic. It's got 50-odd monsters in there, 20 magic items. 
I mean, it's a it's a big packed, a beast book. beast of a book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, it just hit GM's Guild like you know, no warning. It just hit there. Oh, okay. They're just like released. Deal yeah, 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 yeah. So this is suddenly demon. <laughs> so this is by um, James Olen. Um, so you know, Arcanum Worlds. And Adrian Tchaikovsky. Uh, yeah. Have we, have we mentioned Arcanum Worlds before? What? Adrian Tchaikovsky has done a D&D book. Get no. out of town. Shut the front door. Are you kidding me? I'm not. Yeah. Oh, so, well, I think wow. Peter's found their purchase for Oh, because Adrian Tchaikovsky is a really, really good Clark Award winning author who has done like 20, 30 books, which cover a variety of genres. And yeah. Like, yeah, this wow. is, yeah, this is produced wow. by like... Yeah, so James Olin worked on a whole bunch of big video games, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, Knights of the Old Republic, Dragon Age Origins, stuff like that. And I think they set up that Worlds of Arcanum, Arcanum Worlds something studio. Um, I think, they, did they have a Kickstarter for something last year or something? I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. This is like in the back of my head. I remember them. All right, let me Google. <laughs> it's not the World's Warcraft people. That's Blizzard. That's someone else, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 2021, there's Raiders of the Serpent Sea, 5th edition role-playing book. Possibly. I mean, like, we see 5th also, edition books every single week. So, yeah. Hang on. James, James Olin was the okay, designer Worlds. of Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Here we go. As well, so. Heroes of Baldur's Gate, Odyssey of the Dragon, Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, that was the one. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Odyssey yeah. of the Dragon Lords, that is a good name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that's a very, very, very pretty book there. Very high production qualities on Odyssey the Dragon Lords, I remember, and definitely oh, on this oh. this Hell Source book. Very, very, very high. Really, really good stuff. I mean, it's like, you know, qu- uh, production quality-wise, equal to Wizards yeah, yeah. easily. I also love it when, like, Satan and his friends do nice things for children. I always think that's a good news story. Yeah. I'm not sure they're the ones doing the nice things. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. in the book. No, I mean, they're in the okay. book. There's no yeah. DSB I can't yeah. imagine they're using it about obtaining uh, permission to use their likenesses. Yeah, that would be rude. Yeah, you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't cross uh, a demon in that way. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's kind of a book, though. It's like... Oh, here's a little fun fact for you uh, in his day job, because authors have to have day jobs now. Uh, Adrian is also a uh, lawyer. So, yeah. Okay. They're, I I would expect the demonic so they, contracts. The, the, yeah, the, I was about to say... The demonic contracts to be... That's like, how they can good. make this book then, because right, yeah. yeah, they know the demonic contracts and getting that in place. Yeah. yeah. So this is twenty nine ninety nine in PDF. Ooh. Games Guild, almost three hundred pages. Yeah, I mean, I, I snapped it up. It looked really good. I don't know whether I'll ever get to use it, but it, it looks really good. Yeah. If I wanted to run a high level adventure, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's solid high level adventure support as well, which is interesting. Looks... I can't tell you the quality of the adventure because I haven't read through it in detail. But no, but this looks like something I would purchase. For that purpose, mm. it's a really good price as well. Actually, for levels eleven to twenty, mm-hmm. that's a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not short. Yeah, because you need time for adventure. people to get used to all their abilities and stuff as they level up, especially at those levels. Because mm. mm. you know, I find when you level up, sometimes you like you forget all the new cool stuff you have, so you need a bit of time to settle into it and be well, like, spe- oh, I use it like this. Well, especially if you run it in a system like Advanced Fifth Edition. Where you get even more stuff, like everyone gets stuff. It's not just oh, oh yeah. I've got, I got a whole new pile of spells. Yeah, like yeah. fifth edition, <laughs> fifth mm. level in um, uh, A5V is like oh I get to do all these things. So yes, very much so. If you're running it in A5V, Lord, I'd be, I I'd be very intimidated to run a high level adventure for A5V just because. Well, you wouldn't want to jump so straight into stuff, it. 
Well, no, I wouldn't. No, no. You build up to it. Yeah, um, I'd like to boil myself like a frog in water. I actually think it would be easier because I think A5V has tools to make running it easier. That uh, is true. Than O5V. Because I think from the that GM's point of view, it's not... Like, from yeah. the player's mm. point of view, they've got a lot more stuff to do. But equally, yeah. I'm equally as intimidated by running 5e at those high levels, just yeah, to yeah, be... Yeah, yeah, just yeah sure, sure. But it's I, like... If, if you were used to running 5e, yeah, A5v, you'd be, like, even better. Mm. But, but we um... often do comment on the lack of high-level adventures, don't we? So I, I'm mm. really pleased to see this there. I, 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 yes. I mean, I have been wondering, because it's been... Like, we didn't mention it last week, but something significant has happened this week in terms of high-level adventures for 5th edition from EM Publishing. Are you talking about the Vault of Splintered Souls? Yes. <laughs> I am talking about the Vault of Splintered Souls. Yes, that you did mention. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, we, we got, did talk we about it last week. Well, I'm like, that's, I just noticed level? people backing yeah. it. I'm like, oh, so okay, we, cool. we, we have a Kickstarter currently. Yeah. When um, live this week. It's, 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 it's mid-level. <laughs> Sorry, it's, I'm just going to laugh at you not... for a couple of minutes while you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we did the Kickstarter. Well, it's not oh, high level, because they. This... It's not high level at all. It's, it's mid level, but it's sixth to tenth. Well, it's, that's but yeah, it launched this week. Yeah. It's uh, almost at ten thousand pounds, which is nice. Mm. Good job. Um, yeah. Twenty seven days to go. The interesting thing about this one is um, yeah. there's a free poster map for all physical backers. Mm. If you're a digital backer, you get the digital version of it. But if you're a physical backer, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay for the shipping of them. Um, you but... do, yeah. But and outside the, the US, the shipping is wild. Yeah. And I know the shipping rates are wild, but that is what it costs yeah. I think us. realistically, if you're outside um, the US, you probably won't be doing choosing to do that. But yeah, it's like $15 or something shipping Yeah, just for the map. And that's not even including yeah. like the printing of it that works. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 It was, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to pay for the printing of it. But um, yeah, it's a free poster map yeah. of the entire dungeon for all physical backers. Can... Plus, it's a 100 page stock cover source book and um, PDF version. Obviously, and yeah. tokens and maps for VTCs. The whole package Ooh. is all okay. there. Yeah. All looks lovely. Exciting. So, yeah. It's yeah. just a big 14 levered mega dungeon yeah. to have, which is yeah. very fun. And I think 6th to 10th level is really nice as well because I think. The thing about higher level campaigns is so many people's campaigns fall apart before people get there. Yes. Get mm-hmm. like to be on tenth level, but I feel sixth to tenth level is a realistic kind of place a lot of people's games can be in. Yeah. I, I mean, so obviously the logical move is you play through something like Memories of Holdenshire, mm. and then you got like maybe two levels, play a bit of to Slayer Dragon, and then you mm-hmm. segue seamlessly into what's it called? The Vault of Splintered the Vault of... Souls. The, well, the this is set in souls, and then bang on afterwards, you've got the Asmodeus Nine Hells. Uh, yeah. There you go. That's like a whole campaign. Just there you go. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome, everyone. I just bought this campaign for you. That, Wonderful. Just, just run it. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. 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 Well, I've, I've seen some people complaining that it's called a mega dungeon because they say it's not really a mega dungeon. It's just a slightly large dungeon. <laughs> it, it's merely it's merely a fourteen level dungeon. I mean, how can you call that a mega dungeon? Yeah. <laughs> What is the definition of a mega dungeon then? Well, that um, is an excellent point. Yeah, I think if you look up online, there's lots of different definitions. But I think yeah. generally, it's that you can run an entire campaign in. I think is kind of the general thing. That's like I mean, certainly, like in, like in earlier editions, there were mega dungeons where this entire dungeon would be about half of one floor of one. But um, wow. But you know, there's, there's varying. I don't think there's a strict definition. Well, according to Dungeons and Dragons lore. Which, you know, this is for 5e, so we're going to go by their law. Who, who's Dungeons & Dragons law? Um, so one of the points says it's large enough to be considered its own unique environment, 
with enough space to support multiple groups of creatures is a consisting of multiple separate layers typically long complex histories different levels constructed in different eras by different groups of people so yeah i think this meets the definition okay come fight me i'll cough on you (laughs) (laughs) not against using biological warfare i'm I'm immune to that now because i've already got it yeah but you're not gonna fight me if if you've got the same same disease for us otherwise you know well, I assume might be facing is. a drop of contagion so yeah maybe it's just the the southampton plague maybe maybe yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, anyway that sounds that sounds exciting we are doing a kickstarter and you are also doing a kickstarter me it's going to end yes oh you, yes, yes i'm doing a kickstarter uh that's quite and good it's uh, gonna end live yes uh at the end of the show yeah yeah. Um, well, should we, should we talk about that a bit later when it's coming to the end? Yeah, sure. like yeah in I the know. Last, I just few minutes, and then just thought it was just worth. It's well, nice yeah. free backers with eighty-eight minutes ago. It's very exciting. Cool, cool, cool. Woo. Okay, so <laughs> we will be here till the end, live, yeah. watching Woo. that Kickstarter end. Um, we switch right. back to D and D quickly. Oh yeah, do you have more Dungeons and yes, Dragons? Yes, yes, space? yes. So it's still in the Dungeons and Dragons bit. You know, Hasbro is launching their new streaming service, Dungeons and yes. Dragons Adventures. Okay. So they mentioned it a while back, and some of the shows on there, there's like that cooking show, Heroes Feast. Um, there's oh, a yeah. Forgotten Realms kind of actual play show called Encounter Party. And there's a improv comedy show of some kind called Faster Purple Worm Kill Kill. I'm not 100% sure on what those that's, are exactly. That's a reference to a Russ Meyer film, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Right. Okay. So I'm going to infer that it's going to be like a vaguely... Shocky, uh, but camp perhaps is a kind of word to say. A high adventure, sort of, sure. um, with sexy it, themes. The promo has those vibes. Yeah, I mean, there's promos for each of these three shows out. 60 mm-hmm. second promos, which you can watch mm. on the on the YouTubes. Um, and you can watch those three promos. Um, but the thing itself is launching in, I think, like two weeks, the 13th, whenever yes. that is. So there's less than two weeks, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so the actual channel launches um, in less than two weeks, and it's going to be Hasbro's official kind of Dungeons and Dragons. So I say it's TV like on, it's, yeah, it's on, but it's on Freevee. I'm not sure what that is. It's Amazon Freevee, so basically it's like Amazon Prime, but it's the free version of that. So right. there are yeah, adverts so you can watch on stuff it. With ads, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, okay. so it's paid paid for by the advertising, but for you, the user, you sure. don't have to sign up for the streaming okay. service. And also Plex, which yes. is a media sharing service of some kind, isn't it? Yeah, yes. I would so, guess from the name, it's focused on like trying to give a cinematic experience. Yeah, yeah. hence Plex, like multiplex. I would. Yeah, right, right. So anyway, know. that's that's how you can that's how you can watch that channel. But Ooh. it's free, just to say, because I know a lot of streaming services are like you have to pay for it. Yeah, they yeah. purposely made it free so that yeah. you will watch their things and be like, "Wow, Dungeons and Dragons looks like a great time. I yeah. should purchase." Something they also said they were going to do things friends. like stick the old cartoons on there and stuff like that, didn't they? If I recall correctly. Yes. So it's mm-hmm. I don't know how it's it's a channel, not just a show. So presumably there's going to be stuff on it all the time. But yeah, that was their their plan. They're going to have a whole schedule of things. So yeah. They've got these shows that they've got the promos for, and they've got yeah previous. Yeah, I just wondering how they fill the week up because these shows would be what. Well, it's owned by. It's owned by Hasbro. So Hasbro has so much content. Yeah. Yeah, but they've only, they've only mentioned a very small handful of shows. That's all so far. That's all. Um, well, probably wondering. they're like, desperately fiddling around looking for stuff. Yeah, there'll maybe. Be, or... There'll be lifestyle stuff. There'll be stuff that's cheap to make, guaranteed. Well, I'll tell you so, what. Let's check it out in two weeks. If we can work yeah. out how. <laughs> how do I access Amazon Freebie, then? Well, Go to Amazon. 
the video? Is it just a... I don't know. On my TV, Amazon Prime is an app on the TV, but Amazon Preview is not there. Um, so it's in in your kind of Prime thing. Uh, so if you just Google Amazon Freeview, it'll talk you through there how to... But it looks like it's just included in Prime oh, video. Okay. All right, it's so, just in so it'll be on category. Amazon Prime then. Okay, cool. Then I'll find it there. I believe so. We'll give it a try. See what it is. Or you can download okay. the Plex app. No, I'm not going to watch things on my computer. I don't like doing that. If I'm going to watch something, I'm going to sit on my couch, put my feet up on the coffee table and watch it on my TV. Because okay. that's why I've got a couch, a coffee table and a TV. That's... Uh, I am feeling the urge to seamlessly segue from talking about very large productions mm-hmm. of yes. various bits of drama to something on the absolute of end of the scale, because you all know my love of all things indie. Uh, what we have here uh, Indiana is, Jones. Well, obviously for us, but also indie has in tabletop role-playing games. This okay. is a Kickstarter that has caught my eye. I was just minding my own business. Um, when I say minding my own business, tending to my Kickstarter, you know. Uh, the plants needed watering, etc. This is the Orita Mission, mm-hmm. which is a Canadian-based po- podcast. It's going to be four episodes, uh, at least initially. They're hoping to pick up some a bit of support. Yeah, they're going to be using some Lancer to tell the sale of um, mech pilots where bounties are fulfilled by relocating flora and fauna of a dying earth. Mm. It looks like it's got a fairly interesting cast, and yeah. Um, their their gold is very modest, uh, eight hundred dollars US, and they are on six five nine. They're very close to it. Yeah, yeah. What what what? You just get you get access to it by backing it, do you? Is it or how does oh, that work? Oh well, I mean, um, I imagine you have helped create it, so it will get made. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the thing that I found also quite charming about it was for things like five Canadian dollars, which is about four US or about I don't know three eighty uh, in English. Then you can do things like create a location, or for ten dollars, ah, freelancers to pay you instead of paying them. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you can appear as an NPC on the show, hmm. uh, which you know sounds quite nice. I mean, that's really going like like old, old, old school on like patronage and so forth. Where it's like, ah, oh, you are the patron pa- patron of us, so uh, you will have a bit part in our show. Hmm. Which you know, so if you fancy being on a the stream, then you can just literally play for it, or for well, fifty dollars. Well. Uh, someone will run the, the GM will run a one shot for you. Good luck to them. Good luck and to support them. it. So yeah, that's yeah. Gotta say, it looks good. It looks you good. Don't often see podcasts and stuff on Kickstarter, do you? You do occasionally. Yeah. A lot of them I've yeah, seen but... have really high budget things that they don't yeah. generally meet. Like I've seen some that have like ten thousand or so, and that it's a real struggle to. Oh, yeah, you're not meeting to get that, that. unless you've mm. got a huge, huge audience already. No. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I, I like this one. It's like. A very achievable goal. Mm-hmm. It is. I'm. I'm going to back it on the podcast. Oh, awesome. I've got. I've uh, got budget in my Kickstarter budget. Oh, you, you're going to have to get a ten dollar thing in there so it can be an NPC I was, show. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get tabletop Jess in that. Okay. Sweet. There you go. Uh, yeah. Like as I say, I don't. I don't know them. Let's all get. Let's all be on the show. All right. We can all pledge. Should we all back it? For ten Canadian dollars, and we'll all be in the show. Oh, Carson right. Morris is unofficial. We'll have our own ship, maybe. Morris is unofficial tabletop yeah. RPG. Okay. Right. Oh, I, I, I mean, Russ, if you're feeling feeling brave, you could drop fifty on it, and uh, they'll run a session of Lancer for us. If you haven't played Lancer, can recommend. I don't want to drop yeah. fifty, but I will drop ten. Yeah, yeah, go. On. There we go. Oh, damn it! Against my better judgment. There we go. I've been peer it. pressured. <laughs> so all three of us have just backed it and we're all going to be in the show excellent nice yay <laughs> well, we, we really should apologise <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh dear. Nice. Yeah, that's a good friend, go. Peter. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, I'd like to. I do like Lancer as well because I did. I had them on not D and D, of course. Mm. everyone does to talk about it and I really like the concept and the ideas behind it and um, so mm. I've not played it as well so um, yeah yeah yeah. do you know what happened this week we, you'd have missed it by now but if you have a time machine and you went back in time to Monday and Tuesday you could have picked no, up three you. leagues of Vason RPG for free yeah I did yeah likewise <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I don't know what I mean, to say about that because, because it's too late now but yeah. But it was it was free, just like um, Halloween in the day before, because um, mm. it's kind of Nordic horror role playing, isn't it? Um, in PDF format, obviously they weren't giving away hardcovers for free. But um, uh, yeah, 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 just for just for Halloween, they 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 gave it away for free for like forty eight hours. Mm. And many many people downloaded it. I think Drive Through RPG itself was struggling a little bit with the traffic. Oh really? Oh, it I seemed to be to me. Yeah. Wow. But loads and loads of people downloaded it. So yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great little system. I like it. I'm planning on running. Just make really um, good stuff, don't they? It does. They're very pretty. I'm planning on running a campaign for it. She says mm. with her plans for many things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, this last few months have been taken up by me just playing Baldur's Gate three, which I have finished, by the way. You finished? Have, wow. I, I finished my first playthrough. And <laughs> I have a lot of big feelings about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that and being sick, I haven't run any games or you know prepared to run any. Oh, okay. I will, and Vassan is on. Shall, shall we continue segueing down the Kickstarter path? Um, yes. In a non-D&D fashion. Mm. Yeah. For the, well, I mean, it's sort of set, uh, if you, if, for people who are still looking for an out from the world of D20, which, mm-hmm. you know, i got to say, when you're having one of those days, one of those sessions, mm-hmm. just big shout out to listener Lee Donovan, who aspires to the heady heights of rolling a six on a D20. Uh, there's stuff like Error Dragon Song. A high fantasy mm. TTRPG in a world of magic. This is from um, Ed Jarrett, who's been on the show a couple of times from the Shades of Vengeance Trust. And I'm looking at back in this one because I haven't seen a huge amount of E10 based fantasy games. And yeah, I think it'll be fun. And also, it's called Dragon Song. So like that. that's always a, always a powerful thing. Um, oh, nice. I should probably put the link in the show notes so you can also uh, exclaim with it as well. Yes, I am also putting a link uh, show notes from Alex White, uh, who's a game designer I like very much, who does uh, story games, so kind of rules like narrative RPGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have one on Kickstarter right now, which is more than twice funded. Uh, it's called Expect Three Visitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's inspired by Scrooge. And basically the, the, the pitch is, help horrible people find redemption. <laughs> I was like, cool, got it. Um, but yeah, so you use it via a deck of playing cards. It's like two to four hours as a one shot. Yeah. And so, really nice rules light story game, just digging into people and, you know, nice Scrooge mm. vibes. So, I thought that was nice. And yeah. you could have that in time for Christmas, yeah. maybe. Alex did that. A, a, was it a cool and lonely courage? I think, was it called something yes. like that? Yeah, yeah. Which mm-hmm. was like women in World War Two, One, Two. Exactly. Uh, yep. One of, oh, okay. one of the World Wars. Yeah. Yep. And Love and Barbed Wire. Um, mm. And they have a new project in March coming out. Which I've already scheduled them on Not D and D to come and talk about. So when we get close to March, I will put that there as well. Uh, but yeah, some plain, plain selling games. Uh, so that's out right now, and it looks very cool. Oh, yes. Also, um, Alex is a regular on Mastodon, so uh, oh, easily go. found there. Uh, mm-hmm. I think based off South Camp. We're talking Kickstarters, yes. going from the small to the big. Mm-hmm. So that Crooked Moon Folk Horror Five E Kickstarter ended this week. 
Oh, how much? On just over $4 million. All right. <laughs> do you think they were disappointed by that? Do you think they were Yeah, I imagine they would guess it, yeah. Well, oh, no. you know... I'll, I'll be so upset if one of this my makes, Kickstarters... This, this kind of makes it the third highest yeah. TTRPG Kickstarter ever. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Number one was Avatar Legends. Which was, which like was, yes. 10, which was about 10 million. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there was Gloomhaven, which was 5 million. Yeah. Okay, sure. I mean, you you argue against that because Gloomhaven had a whole bunch of extra stuff with it, but Crooked Moon does it, too. It, well, I mean, it was a Kickstarter for a board game. It was a role-playing game, like, you know, plastered on top. But yeah, okay. Um, um, sure, well, sure. Did, well, we'll, we'll count it. Why not? Why not? Yeah, this one did incredibly well. Four million dollars. I mean, they did, like, over a million in the first day, mm. which is astonishing. Um, that was partly Could because you? they were giving away uh, free dice, I think, or something like that. Oh, they hadn't earlier, yeah. Which always helps. God, I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and that, and um, they were, you know, lots of like merchandising and pins and badges and bags and all that sort of stuff. Which you know, if you want a million dollar Kickstarter, you you want to start thinking it. about that sort of thing. As we yeah. have discussed, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they 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 finished, came in at number three, but also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles launched. Yeah, oh, yes, uh, I think have we not talked about Palladium Games? Is we, we mentioned we did, it? Yeah, we did okay. talk about the Turtles. Um, but because I was just kind of talking about million dollar Kickstarters, yes, yeah. I think this one might be one because it's done five hundred twenty, just about five hundred twenty-four thousand dollars as yeah. of today, and it launched on Tuesday. Sweet. So it's got yeah, twenty-five days to go. I think it's got a really good. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably going to hit a million. Yeah. So it's going to be another one. Nice. Yeah. I, th- I think it's got yeah because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a very clear pitch of what you're playing, and also. I know a lot mm. of people really like the old rule set from mm. the was it 80s, 70s, 80s? Yeah. 80s, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I know I've heard people talking about that rule set and a lot of people were like, is it that same rule set or have they done something new? And they're yeah. like, it's it is, the same rule set yeah. and everyone went, huzzah, and indeed, hurrah. It's Cowabunga, same, dude. It's the same exact game, just with updated artwork and presented in hardcover format. Yeah, so Cowabunga, dude. Can, the, can, can I just ask, that. is it like Kevin Sabia man or something doing it? Um... Yes. Different track. Uh... Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and more were the creators of TMNT. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm just wondering, because I know there was like a lot. I wasn't paying too much attention, but there were like people complaining. I thought it was about this Kickstarter because they've had a really bad record of delivery previously. Right. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, I had seen references to that. So. What's that? I cannot remember what it was. There was a. Spill the tea, folks. Is this a different one? There was an older Kickstarter that they did. I cannot for the life of me remember what it was, but there was one that did have some um, fulfilment issues. I don't know whether they've been resolved or not. Honestly, right. I don't know at all. But yeah, you've just rung a bell in my head and yeah. I remember now. Um, yeah, it was just an older, an older Palladium one, I think. Some mm. Palladium books, three creative. Um, yeah, so Kevin Symbiada. I don't even know how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, I, I, Palladium I, books. I saw it written down and I couldn't. Robotech RPG Tactics. That was it. Right, I remember right, yeah. now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that took. I mean, it made over a million dollars. It, it was a. It's not an RPG. It's a, a yeah board game sort of thing. Oh, okay, strategy game. But yeah, yeah. yeah um, as I understand it, and I really haven't followed it. Um, no. There was there was fulfillment. Right, right. I couldn't yeah. tell you anymore. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, fair enough. well, be, potentially a one-off and won't be repeated. We, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. Well, this one, you know, it's uh, it's done half a million already. It's probably going to do a million. Yeah. Um, I've seen people discussing whether or not they like the artwork being colourised or not. Because there's some places where, you know, they compare yeah. the original and the, the colour version. 
Um, and people seem to be of mixed opinion that because there are people that really like the style of the old black and white artwork, and you know, yeah. it does have its aesthetic. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what they've done in a lot of cases is just coloured it. It's the same artwork but coloured. I don't know whether you know that necessarily works every time, but you know it's, it's gonna be a pretty little book. That was my million dollar Kickstarter news, anyway. I wanted to just mm. quickly touch on that. So we love to hear that. Well, we do have some A5E news, so that could be good. Go on. Well, there's a couple of A5E projects. Like, clearly there was something in the water, because obviously we know about mine, we'll talk about that a bit later, if we must, it's fine, they're very excited about it. But also, uh, Anthony Lepio, uh, who produced the first ever third-party product, the Sugar Crumb Fairy, has produced another uh, A5e adventure. This one's called Till Undeath Do Us Part. Oh yes, uh, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Designed for three to four players of second or third level. He reckons it's a good solid five to seven hours, which, yeah, love to see it. Uh, obviously 5e compatible as well, uh, but the thing I'm pretty excited about is he's got a Hexflower exploration engine, which he has described as Hexploration. Bless him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I tell you I wouldn't do the same, but we all know Why I would not? be lying, right? I'm just yeah. jealous that I didn't think of it first, right? We really, really do need to publish some solid hex crawl rules at some point, but... Could could be good. I mean, we've got the kit for it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously suitable for landscape and portrait devices as a PDF. Uh, yeah, currently uh, ooh, $2. Nice. And it's all about exploring Shadowlands. So, yeah, 19, 19 hex procedural engine for exploring the plane of shadow with a full-page player-facing handout. So mm. that looks jolly. And I, I bloody be... love our third-party creator community. They do really, really cool stuff. Yes. And sometimes I look at it and I'm, like, slightly jealous. <laughs> Especially when you come to the next one that I think you're about to mention. <laughs> what? You're saying you want more? <laughs> <laughs> that joke, by the way, has been in play since at least 2021 um, and refers, of course, to the Manual of Adventurous Resources. More, yeah. Goodness, this is a big old project. We've got what? Uh, Peter Martin, Andrew Engelbright, Jocelyn. Uh, I can't remember what name she's using. I think it's Jocelyn, she's Jocelyn Gray. I think is that so. what she's using professionally? And um, Josh Entry who have come together, their powers combined to give us an absolute monster of a 280-page book. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've got heritages, we've got cultures, we've got backgrounds, we've got destinies, a couple of classes in there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, seven archetypes for the new base classes, mm-hmm. uh, 48 archetypes for existing classes, uh, nine synergy feet chains, two strongholds, five follow styles, three combat traditions, and over 100 spells. And a partridge in a pear. It's basically a adventurer's guide too, almost. I mean, that I think was pretty much the project that was envisioned. Yeah. I mean, I'm very impressed. He's been producing these on like a weekly basis for the best part of a couple of years, it, or maybe if not weekly, it feels like it. It's yeah, it's I think it's been incredible, great, yeah. Yeah. incredible rate of production. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to diving into it. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I've, I've, uh, yeah, I've. Um, it's, it's not available yet. Just to be clear. To those no, November uh, we, 10th. Just, we just got a, a preview look at it. Yes. Um, and I've got a hardcover copy on the way because it's going to be a hardback book as well. Uh, um, nice. I, yeah, yeah it, it looks awesome. It really does look awesome. I, I, I obviously, some lovely layout. Um, uh, it's got a slight art deco feel to it, which I always approve of. Mm-hmm. It has its own trade dress, which I also approve of. Well, I was, I was going to say you'd like, <laughs> the, you'd like, the, you'd like the trade dress. Uh, 
I think probably my favourite thing that I've seen so far is the transformational feat chain to become a lich, which is Undead Wizards for those mm. who are less than familiar. Uh, yeah, and it starts off, you must be able to cast at least fourth level spells, which if memory serves is level seven. So it's quite quite a late starting feat chain, mm. but there you go. Um, and you must have researched the process of becoming a lich as well. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. But well, no, I suppose, yeah, so you use it with your eighth level feat then. Uh, potentially, one. yes. I mean, mm. I, I'm not going to tell people how to multi-class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, well... Um, oh, yeah. that's good. It could be anything. Oh, we don't know. But Multi-classing yeah. is intimidating for me. Yeah. I, 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 I get the concept. I just haven't done it. Uh, usually, because when I pick a class to play, I'm excited about that yeah. whole path. I'm like, but if I if I sidestep, I don't get closer to the thing that I want. Mm-hmm. I can see a treat. There's a carrot dangling just in my that's, reach. That's, that, that's what the slightly OP level twenty um, capstones are for on in A five E. They're designed to make you really think. Oh, I really want that. Yeah, I mean, but like, if for whatever reason your campaign isn't going to go up to level twenty. You do what? get the Paragon gift at level 10, which is just like, you know, I mean, either that's a goal in itself or it's something to encourage you on the way, you know, a bit of mm. a something to buck you up as yeah. you enter the wacky world of tier three. Yeah. But anyway, Manual of Adventurous Resources, amazing. Coming out, I think, the 15th, I think yeah. Peter said. So, is uh, it 10th, crowdfund- oh, was, was it? Was it? No, you might be right. Might no, be you said 10th, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, 10th. Sorry, is that crowdfunding or is it going no. on? Oh, no, no, it's, coming, it's just coming straight out. It's just brought up in, just really six straight to for RPG. I'm like, yeah. well, <laughs> leave me like. <laughs> I, I, I'm just so impressed though. That it's wasn't like, the turn of phrase <laughs> I to use for this. I've been keeping bad company. What can I say? Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is it is an impressive feat, and like you know, without crowdfunding as well, uh, I'm mm. like, Peter, you should crowdfund some of this because it would be really good. Yeah. You could like get, you could, but he doesn't more want money. To, so yeah. fair enough. But yeah, well, yeah, and that means that you can. You can you can throw more resources at the book, but well, I mean, again, the book is gorgeous. I don't think it needs more yeah. resources. He's done well. He's done well. I'll give him that. It's yeah, fully illustrated throughout. Is yeah. professionally laid Full out. Color. It's it, yeah. that's amazing. I, I think he's done most of that himself. So that mm. is uh, very impressive. Um, layout is hard. I don't mm. want to do it myself. <laughs> oh yeah, it is very hard. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, no, it's a great feat. Well, well done to Peter and all the team because yeah, love it. Love to see it. Mm. Love it. Oh, what else do we have in the news? I have some news about running around in shadows. Okay. Shadow um, run RPG, for example. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Say, I was thinking vampires because apparently my ability to spot obvious segues has decreased with time. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Tell us about this running in shadows. Two books. There is a plot book called Scottophobia. Scottophobia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that Which is Scots. I don't know. Fear of the Dark. Is that was Nectophobia, Is it? That makes sense for Shadowrun. Oh, maybe that's Fear of the Light. So that book is coming out this month, and there is a new printing run of the core rule book. So Shadowrun 6th World City Edition Berlin, there's a new print run of that. So if you were trying to get a physical copy, um, it's sold out, but there's a new print. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's kind of available. So that's kind of Shadowrun news. I don't know, but there's an article in the EM World that Daryl has written who, and Daryl knows everything about Shadowrun, so if you want more details, I'd say yeah, check out the article in the EM World, because he knows far more than I do now, and more mm. than I ever will. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. As a group, we agree, Daryl knows his shadow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hey, okay. uh, is that pretty it, art? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's pretty. Lovely. It's a new edition of Paranoia coming out in January. Another one? The, 
Perfect. Paranoia, the core, the core book, coming out from Mongoose Publishing, is coming out in January 2024. It will hit shops then. Forty nine ninety nine American dollars. Okay. Is that and the... the par- sorry, Paranoia Perfect Edition, is that the one? Uh, it's just called Paranoia, the core book. Because hmm. uh, I, I, I've still got my copy of the last Paranoia. Hmm. I haven't actually got around to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just noticed the other day, I was like, oh, God. Hmm. <laughs> I think there's been an awful lot of paranoid. I mean, when did it come yeah. out originally? Like early eighties ish, something mm-hmm. like that. And it's been around for a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's been so many, and there's been a few different publishers as well. Because the latest edition I'm was aware of was Paranoid Perfect Edition, so I'm wondering if it's that or if it's a new one already. And while I'm looking at it, it doesn't say Perfect Edition on it. It just says Paranoia the core book. Yeah, I think I got the one that Brent Howitt did where they changed quite a lot of stuff, but I haven't really had a chance to dive into it. Well, this one was written and designed by W.J. McGuffin and Keith Garrett. Okay. That, I think, so. yeah, I spoke to W.J. McGuffin about Paranormal Questions, so maybe it's this edition. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it makes sense, because I, I think I interviewed them this year when it was crowdfunding, so coming to retail early next year makes sense timeline. Yeah. Maybe okay. they changed the title of it. Maybe. <clears throat> Fair enough. Yeah. But the other release, of course, is uh, Pathfinder Remaster. Yes. Yes. Um, it, uh, the review embargo ended on Tuesday. Um, so all the reviews popped up on Tuesday or throughout right. this week. And then pre-ordered, people who pre-ordered Pathfinder Remaster got the PDF. I think it was yesterday or today. I can't remember when. Either they yesterday have it or today. this weekend. But they have it. So it's out in the wild now. People have it and are talking about it. Um, and the actual yeah. release, I think, is like the 15th. I think that's what was the 15th. 15th, yeah, November 15th. Yes, that's is, the 15th. Is yes, the at least something release is the 15th. Date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we got a review up on Ian World. There's reviews elsewhere on the web, also by other people. Um, and uh, yeah, it's out. It's out. Yep. Pretty much. There's also details because some people are wondering um, about Pathfinder Society. So that's like, you know, for like living games, you take to conventions and stuff, how that's kind of affected. And Pathfinder has put a, a blog post out and we've got an article about that in EM World for what they're doing to it. So officially, they said they're not intending any of the scenarios to be written using remastered rules until the beginning of year six, their year six, which is at Gen Con 2024. Mm-hmm. So pre then, it will still yeah. be technically using the other rules. But you can switch your characters over before then. Okay. So the guidelines, basically what they're trying to do is the, 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 the key three aims they have with it is to make sure that players aren't forced to rebuild their characters. So they mm-hmm. want it so you can still keep your character, but you just tweak it for the new rules. It's not like, a you know, changing it. They want to make sure as much previous material is still usable, so you're not feeling like you're missing out on stuff you used. Uh, but they want to incentivize you to adopt the new rule set. Mm. Um, and then you have different methods to rebuild your characters. Yeah. And they've got official guidance on the website. There's a whole bunch of specific rules. You know, for example, beginning on November 15th, when the official release is out, no new characters can be created using, you know, things from the old rule books. Yeah. There's loads of stuff like that. But so if you do play in um, Pathfinder with Pathfinder Society, I'd recommend you go and check that out just to yeah. check your character details and what the rules are on that. Uh, but yeah, officially, Gen Con 2024 is when the new rules are going to be used. I think we should dive into this ourselves yes. for an episode. It doesn't come out until the 15th, so we can't until then because we don't have it. Um, once it once it comes out, we'll grab it and um, we'll, have, we'll have a little... We'll, have, we'll like, dive into it one episode and see what we think of it. I mean, we've talked about it before. We kind of know generally what they're doing with it, but Mm -hmm. we haven't actually seen it in person yet. I I have always been very vocal that I do very much admire the design of Pathfinder 2nd Edition. It is good design. 
I wonder mm. if the new character sheet will, because that was the real thing that <laughs> really yeah, threw you. I have been less complimentary about the character sheets. I do um, know, I do know so. that ability scores are no longer on the character sheet, only modifiers. They finally said yeah. ability scores don't matter. You only need the yeah. modifier. So they're yeah. gone, which people have been saying since like um, third edition launched 20 years ago. Like, why, why have we still got ability scores? Because they don't matter. But um, Fifth edition, they are relevant for things like jumping distance. Yeah, but it's it's, it's and probably... advanced for edition for how much supply you can carry. Yeah, but you could have used a different. We could have hinged that off something different. Yeah, we um, could totally have done something else with yeah. that. It's because we were stuck with these scores. Yeah, um, when I say yeah, we, I mean um, other smarter people than me. Please so yeah, so Paizo and Pathfinder are the first sort of D twenty X kind of mm. game to actually officially, I think, ditch the yes. ability scores. They're the mm. brave ones. They're the ones that took that leap into yeah. the unknown, and they're the first one. Well, this is because I mean they. Very, very deliberately, I mean, we don't want to go into too much detail, but mm-hmm. they're very deliberately de-OGLified and divorced about this now from D&D. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think you'll find the words that's pronounced de-oglified. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm just getting such a, such a, oh, bless your heart look from Jessica. Yeah. It's uh, entirely fair. But anyway. that's, a very yeah. kind of, that's a very kind interpretation but, of the but, look, Peter. So, you know, Pathfinder has <laughs> always traditionally been known as a variant of D&D, hasn't it? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And now they're very much kind of sort of saying it is the same game, but it's no longer a variant of D and D. Yeah, yeah. Which puts it in an interesting kind of middle zone spot, I, I think. I mean, and for the time I've known about Pathfinder, which I mean, like I don't play Pathfinder regularly, so I'm not like an expert on it, but I have always felt it's that. I'm like, it's it's. I don't think it is D and D. No, uh, but it's right. it's got the same roots, mm, and it's yeah. it's a similar vibe. So if you wanted that vibe of I want that fantasy setting, and I want you know, then then yes, it's got those sorts of things. But it's very similar to D and D three. Pathfinder one, he was. It was almost identical. Well, I I haven't played that, so that's probably why Mm. I don't. I don't. Pathfinder first edition certainly. Pathfinder second edition. Now we've got Pathfinder remastered. They're really looking more like second cousins than um, yeah. Yeah. See, I never played Pathfinder first edition, so maybe that's why that's informed my opinion. And I start. I didn't play D&D until about seven years into me playing up TTRPGs and but, I played 5th edition but then, the first time. But then you can so. also say, say D&D 5e is as different to D&D 4e is as different to D&D 3 as is necessary as it can yeah. be. And they're still all D&D, aren't they? they? Well, yeah, but I wouldn't be confident to say that because like I said, mm. I've only really played 5e. Yeah. yeah I, but I mean, you wouldn't say D&D no. 3e is not D&D though, would you? Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of not second today, edition in 5th edition. <laughs> so that's why I'm reliably told. I don't know, mm. I didn't play second edition either. Except maybe Baldur's Gate. Mm. Anyway, we'll dive into this one in more detail when we have it. When we have it, and yeah. we'll, uh, is there anything else? I have some pay what you want potential freebies or things that are like for two, three dollars, which okay. I thought were cool. There were two things that jumped out to me. Um, they're because they're inspired by like board games in a way, which I thought was fun. So we all know Hero Quest, the classic dungeon crawly board game, which was you know what uh, the best thing about Hero Quest is the dark oil, um, <laughs> the board. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yes, reference that video. Um, but yeah, so there is a solo RPG uh, that's inspired by Hero Quest. It's a single player dungeon crawl that you just need a few d6 to play. Um, uh, it's caves and catacombs into the wild. Um, it's pay what you want. Suggested two ninety nine, but it's pay what you want, so you can pick it up. For whatever. Uh, I just thought that was quite fun because um, a solo player dungeon crawl. I was like interesting because I've been looking at Colossal, which is like a dungeon crawl solo thing as well so mm. uh exploring that a bit so that was quite fun and on the dungeon masters guild as well there's this game 
so use for 5e it uses a cluedo board as your dungeon map and it's a two to three hour adventure uh for second to third level parties exploring the amad's family not adam's obviously hey. mansion uh so it's creepy kooky silly uh and uses cluedo board and i just thought oh how fun to just like get your cluedo board there's your map um yeah, nice. so, yeah. so i saw those and i just thought that's quite a nice little board game inspired uh little rpg things yeah. uh, that potentially for free for people Here's something that is potentially for our listeners who, if I may characterise them, do tend to think quite a lot about TTRPGs and Mm -hmm. do tend to, I don't know if I'd say they take them over seriously, but they regard it as an art form and worthy of critical analysis. Uh, The International Journal of Roleplaying, who you may recall me has shouted out previously, they are putting out a call for papers. Oh, nice. Yes, a call for papers. Uh, what that means is that they would like people to send them some stuff about RPGs. Um, they are looking particularly for to make this issue about consent. So it slipped beyond the bounds of specialised discourse related to medical and social scientific practice or political legitimacy or dynamics with sexual relations. And now it's like, and yeah, I mean, it's true. Consent in role-playing games and what's going on with that is absolutely massive. So they've put up a wild amount of potential things that they would be delighted to hear from you about. Things like acquired versus voluntary consent, passive versus enthusiastic, explicit versus implicit consent, uh, relation its relationship to education and learning and role-playing, its relationship to growth in the therapeutic context. I mean, so, consent and safety tools, obviously. There is, like, a lot of conceptual space. Yeah. i got to so, say, I'm, I'm going to have to pick this up. Uh, I've got question about it so what is the type of i mean i realize the topic of the articles that they're looking for is consent um yeah as a journal it's like studies is it um what is it what is it they're um what is it they're actually publishing well well they are publishing stuff on role playing so like obviously if you're a scholar like, like opinion pieces or uh they're, 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 they're also happy to talk about uh theoretic they also want theoretical articles like philosophical understandings of consent an agency but yeah i mean there's a whole if you've got something to say about those topics so kind of explanatory articles yes and just like talking about them and mm. you know your points of view i mean it's like they're, they're asking for five thousand to eight thousand words mm. not counting references and references would be like if you say oh well, this is the case then you have to be able to put a reference yeah. to say to someone who's like you know yeah. reasonably well, i think what i get again is it's, it's quite an academic approach to it like, i mean it, it is a university journal yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah. But um, they've they've got stuff. I mean, Sean Reynolds and Sharon Germain have both contributed, mm. or, or or have been acceptable re- references. So yeah, I mean, that, and this is specifically about role playing games. So mm. if you're an academic or not an academic who talks about that, or potentially if you if you think you can have a go, then yeah, I would encourage you to write in because like a diversity and plurality of voices is very important don't mm. don't be put off just because you don't think you're going to be able to do it if you've got something if you've got something that you can talk for five thousand to eight thousand words about and you know with your experiences and so forth and certainly things like consent and neurodiversity race gender disability they are probably going to want to hear from you because limited experience is a valid part of academia especially with regards to this sort of information i would say yeah that's just my opinion don't mind me but yeah, exciting. I have a, another bit of news as well, oh, yeah. something I More saw, news. which is... I know. So there's a new organisation. It's launching in the first quarter of 2024. 
but it's the Tabletop Game Designers Association. Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically it's for designers of, uh, you know, t- any tabletop games. So that includes board games, role-playing games, uh, so small publishers, independent designers, things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's an association being set up, and the idea is for advocacy, professional development, community. So you can join as a, a member, and the benefits you get, people will, uh, the group will review your contracts for you. Um, so it'll do advocacy and dispute, uh, dispute mediation with publishers, uh, give you some model contracts to work from, newsletter with industry updates. So there's loads of stuff going on. Um, but if you go to their website, ttgda.org, yeah, and you can register to get information about the membership and, and what that will be like, which is coming out in the new year. But I thought that was quite nice because if you are an independent tabletop game designer, it can feel like you're very much on your own. And it's kind of like why, Russ, when you did those reviews of pay reviews of stuff, because mm-hmm. I think the less people know, it's harder to kind of negotiate your contracts, mm-hmm. knowing what's the norm when you don't yeah. have the information. So I think mm-hmm. this group is going to kind of give that, like it'll have sample contracts and model contracts. So you'll be able to look at that and be like, well, you know, why don't we do something more like this? And also the mediation with publishers could be really useful as well. Because mm-hmm. if you're an independent, you know, tabletop creator, it can feel, you know, quite lonely and intimidating. So I yeah. thought that was quite an interesting thing. So that might be useful for some people. Yeah. I, I, I have I have seen this. Mm-hmm. The things that they have said are definitely things. Um, they're focused primarily on North America. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're more focused on board games and card games and tabletop uh, war games sort of thing rather than role playing games. They're definitely they're very clear that they're not a union. They're not interested in doing union things, and that they'd like mm-hmm. to position themselves as more of like the science science fiction writers association. Yeah. So if you're board game designer in North America, this is great news, and if you're not, uh, potentially it's a start. So Yeah, yeah. well, they, they mentioned role-playing games in there, so... That, that's what, yeah, that's yeah. what they've said in response to people saying, oh, what's up with this? I'm um, mm-hmm. reading it and saying, oh, okay, well, okay, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I'd be a lot more excited about it. That's one of it, and, uh, just from their attitudes about it. And that's the piece of news I had to share. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, are we done with the news? Uh, I believe I am out. I am done, yeah. Okay, then. The die is cast. Freddo will carry the orb to the fiery mountain and cast it into the inferno, destroying it forever. The journey is long, but I will see it through. And we will be by your side, brave halfling. Wheresoever you shall go, we shall go also. I am grateful. Now, I must rest my head, or we leave upon the morrow. I shall see you in the morn- Wait, wait, why Why are you all following me? We swore an oath, young hobbit. Yes, yes, I, I know, Grandelf, but it wasn't literal. An oath is an oath, gallant Freddo. I mean, I do appreciate it, Legolam, but I'm just going to take a bath and have a quick bite to eat before retiring for the day. And we shall remain by your side. Not everywhere, right? Everywhere, my stalwart little friend. You will not be alone in this journey. What? All, all, all eight of you? We all swore the oath, my stout comrade. Gambling the dwarf, Boringer the human, Argon the other human, and your halfling friends, Perrin, Barry, and Jam. And us, Legolam and Grandelf. Together, we make up the companionship of the orb. And you're all just going to trot after me in a line like ducklings? Well, I prefer the term boon companions. 
Loyal guardians. Unwavering allies. Staunch defenders. Steadfast guides. Yes, yes, thank you. I, I get it. But we're still safe at Rivdale, the ancestral home of the Elven Lords. There is no danger here. An oath, young hobbit, is an oath. It is not to be taken lightly. So all eight of you are going to follow me around everywhere I go. Indeed, my valiant ward. Everywhere. Oh, Joy. An oath is... Yes, yes, an oath is an oath. I, I, I heard you the first time. Fear not, brave soul. We shall keep you safe from the shadow of the necromancer. I think he my privy. No, my hearty chum, but we shall be. All eight of you? A ring of steel and courage to stand against the darkness. In my privy. In, as you say, your privy. Truly, such a courageous young gnome. Excuse me? Legolam here was just commenting on your bravery. No, 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 not that. You called me a gnome. Yes, uh, what of it? I am not a gnome. Are you sure? I think I would know. I am a hobbit, a brave halfling of the shore. A hobbit or a halfling? A which is it? They both mean the same thing. Oh, like gnome? No! Not like gnome. Gnomes are something entirely different. Well, that's confusing. Not really. No more than me mistaking you for a dwarf. I should be so honoured. Indeed. Dwarves are noble beings. Like our friend, Gamling, here. Thank you, fair Legolam. I, Gamling, son of Gormling, last of his line, bearer of the great beard, wielder of the mithril axe, wearer of the one ring... Where of the what? The One Ring. It's a weird name. I mean, I know for a fact there's like 28 rings. Yes, uh, I have two. Well, that's just what it's called. It's got this ancient script on it. In Gnomish or something. It seems a little strange, that's all. I mean, I could get behind a One Ring, but the One Ring implies that there is but one. When there are 28. Indeed, it is a well-known fact that there are 28 rings in Middlemost Earth. No more, no less. Ring schmings. Uh, where is young Freddo? No, the gnome has slipped away. Distracted us and then vanished into the night. Oh, we have failed in our duty. Stumbled at the first hurdle. Who knows what dire fate may have befallen the little soul. The oath is broken. The companionship is no more. Still, it was a good run. Wait, I hear footsteps. Running towards us. It's Freddo! You have returned! Grandelf, Legolam. What is it, young gnome? I'm not a... Never mind, I need your aid. And you shall have it. You have my bow. And my staff. And my beard. Thank the gods, I thought I was a goner. What is it, our precious charge? There's a necromancer in my privy. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right, don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now?
Hello, and this week, for our topic of the week, uh, I'm taking advantage of the fact that Russ and Jessica are currently feeling too ill to resist me and my urge to nerd out about things. So I thought we'd talk about what if, and this is in part inspired by a blog article that I'm writing, you are going to try and run a game for the very first time ever. Now, obviously, at this point, 90% of our listeners have switched off because, like, I know how to run games, but... What I thought we'd look at is what we do really well on this podcast, which is look at the logistical ways to go about doing it. Like, you know, we're not bothered about a story, but we're looking at, like, the actual time management and, like, the implications of things like session length, Mm -hmm. how often do you run, organising it so that you're in place and on time. Um, Because I see a lot of people trying to do it, and they are struggling, so... Also, I think even if you're a veteran GM, I don't know a single GM or player that doesn't deal with the plague of how do we actually get everyone in one place at one time to play this game. The logistics mm. of just managing people being mm. at the table. Oh. That is yeah. a great question for the ages. So if we have any <laughs> thoughts and ideas about that, I'm sure anyone who, who has been playing games for a long time will be uh, grateful yeah. to hear any ideas, maybe. I, I, I hope that this is some value. And certainly if you're like, Oh, I, I do fancy running a game, but like it's all just so mysterious. Man, maybe this will help break down a little part of it for you and help you on your way because it is very hard to do mm-hmm. to the standard where you feel comfortable with it. But also, I would say, and I don't think anyone disagree here present, that it's also extremely rewarding. Hmm. Yeah. So, how would you go about finding players for your game to start with? Oh, crikey. Um,. You decided you want to run a game yeah. of like uh, Barrows and Barrows, 15th edition. Yeah. You really want to run this. You've got this great yeah. adventure. You really want to run mm-hmm. it. Yeah. How do you find some players? Um, I would say the first thing is there is no game without your games master. Right. Mm-hmm. And that sounds really stupidly obvious. But I, I have been in several games where the games master feels reluctant, or should I call them the burrow master, the BM? The burrow <laughs> master feels really reluctant to actually like lay down and say, I am available at these times yeah. <laughs> um, to do stuff. Or they give like a choice of times and then they never hear anything back. So I think for me, like I'd say the first thing you have to do is you have to find people that can fit your time slot. Mm. Because yeah. just saying, I've got a great idea. I can do mm. stuff. And that's the first question I have to ask. I see a lot of stuff like this online. People say, here's my idea for a game. And I have to ask every single time, what time zone are you running in? Well, mm-hmm. that does touch on something that you just said something yeah. that touches on something that's occurred to me before. And the mm-hmm. person who runs mm-hmm. the game often yes. gets conflated with the person who has to organize the game or the person yes. who has to host the game. And these are totally yes. different things. Yes. Just because yes. you happen to be the person running the game doesn't yes. mean you automatically have to get the job of marshalling, doing all the legwork of, you know, like I, everybody. That's everybody's responsibility. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. You will find zero disagreement over here. However, you but, have seen how the sentence is going. Yeah, but, but... I think there is the social expectation from yeah. other people. Yeah, the, the, the GM's in charge of the game, but he's not in charge of the group of people, as, as a group of people. Well, in a way, I, I would push back a little bit and say, when you are running a game, you do have kind of the social authority at the table. So yeah. I do feel that there is a little bit of responsibility you have as the GM to, to do other things like that, but... You can definitely outsource scheduling uh, things for people. What I tend to do is more Peter's approach. I, When I put forward a, a game, especially if it's um, a short-term campaign, like this is going to be mm. six to eight sessions or something like that, mm-hmm. I will put forward um, uh, the game. I'll be like, hey, I want to run this game. 
this is the picture of what it is and I want to run it on these dates and times, who is free? Because I cannot stand and I hate that I like this idea for a game. A bunch of people go, I want to do that. And then you, and then someone goes, when is everyone free? And it becomes this <laughs> open-ended <laughs> free-fall. There's those apps you've got, isn't there, where everyone puts in when they're free and then it works out where it all, co- uh, all coincides. But then no one is, is like conflating all these things like that. Um, the one time I did need to do that to find a date, I used like a form tracker. There's like, uh, I can't remember a the doodle. name of it now. It's quite a good one. I like that. A doodle, yeah, that, yeah. Oh, doodle, that, yeah. That or, or similar things where people can actually just tick in to when it can be because then it's mm-hmm. just a lot easier. Um, but I think give people limited options to choose and say yes and no to them, instead of just saying, when are you free? Because it's mm. just... Yeah, that open-ended commitment. That yeah. leads to a lot of analysis paralysis. Yeah. A lot um, of just waffle, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But going back to Pete, uh, Russ's original question is how do you select your players? Hmm. That's a really good question because um, one thing for me is... I'm assuming I, you have a choice. I mean, yeah. you don't just... yeah, yeah. If you're putting well, it forward at a convention, ways, yeah. then you're not picking your players. You're just no. putting an open invitation out the for the public. The players are picking you. Yeah. Mm. And the same mm. if you get, join an RPG club, which I think is a really great thing to do because I... Started my journey into RPGs about 15 or so years ago uh, by going to uh, Bournemouth Berserkers, that gaming club. (laughs) And that gives you the opportunity to be a player and also gives you a supportive environment to try running. Because I think um, if you've never run a game before, running it for people you know might feel a little bit more comforting or a little bit Mm. like if you make some mistakes, they're going to be a bit more forgiving. And also, you know, so I would always say generally, first time running, if if it's possible for you to play with people you know, even if they've never run RPGs, uh, played RPGs, that's fine. So generally, I think most people, I'd recommend it being kind of your friends or people you know in your community via a club or, if you have or kids, something like that. Run a game for your kids. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like, see, that's definitely like a valid point of view. And mm-hmm. I have done that and it has worked mm-hmm. out well for me in the past. I'd also say, however, don't discount running for people that you don't know. Mm-hmm. I do things like I follow the RPG horror stories on Reddit. <laughs> I have to say, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's a sort of a a fascination of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the horror stories often boil down to the burrow master, the BM, is much more into the game than any of the other people, mm-hmm. and not by a little bit. And when you have your friends and they're like, oh, it's just, it's just old PJ having a go. Oh, we don't have to take it seriously. It's fine. And they're, they're very relaxed and they don't necessarily appreciate where you are emotionally, which is you are girding yourself emotionally. You're putting yourself out there. You've done a lot of work that it, that by its nature, you can't show to them until they're actually playing. Mm-hmm. They've got to be playing, but you've still done this work. You've still got all this work. You've done all this emotional labor, all this, all this preparation, and they are not going to see it. So they don't, it's not real to them. So they might not turn up, or they might take the mick. Or I, they might, I mean, I don't know. You know if that's, not be very supportive. That, and I that, that's, that, I see that a lot. I think that's true of any player, but I don't know. Is that mm. more likely to be the case? Because I, in my opinion, that would be that. I don't know if this is just a testament to my friends, but I feel like my friends would be less likely to do that because they'd be like, yeah. oh, look at... Well, this is the experience. Look at Jess doing her game. Let's all <laughs> sit and get involved in it. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah, whereas I, I feel the stranger that doesn't know me might be like, I do not know this person or care about them, which is fair enough because they should hmm. not because they do not know me. Um, yeah. But, but well, again, it's just like uh, there's a respect for the time and there's the mm-hmm. wanting to get to know someone. Mm-hmm. And there's also... 
Like, if you have got persuade a stranger to come and share a social space with you, it's because you are offering something that they are also very invested in. Like, your friends will come and support you because, hey, they like Jess, and presumably they also want to play a game, but yeah. that's a big part. Whereas, like, if I'm running online or a convention, it's because people have chosen to be with me because I am running something that they want to play. So in many ways, we're, I, I'm a lot closer to being on the same page with people I don't know who have come and joined because they're like, yeah, actually, that is what I'm after. I want to do this thing. I'm like, yeah, we are doing this thing. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's pros and cons of both. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, um, you know, you might get... Well, it's not to be all of one or the other either, does yeah. it? I mean, some of the, you may know some of the players and not others. I mean... No, very true. You know. Like, I mean, at the Rock Playing Game Club, I mean, you mm. certainly know some people, like, you know, Jess, not my Jess, out of, uh, out of character. <laughs> out of the context of the club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But other people you've met for the first time. And there's always a chance of someone just rocking up for the first time ever. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've so, got to say, I do, I do like this whole, you go to a role-playing club and you play with people a little bit, and you get to know them a little bit, and, yeah. you know, I like the people that I've gotten to know a little bit there. And it's, yeah. Just, yeah. it's just nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, it's, I feel it's a really great way to make friends. I know it's really great for people to, for mm. men, people's mental health, because mm. it gets you out of the house, it gets you to actually socialise with people. Yeah. And these are people who are always pleased to see you, mm. because it means the game is going ahead. Mm. Yeah. And like, I mean, if you're living a life and you do not have people who are pleased to see you, like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure, like, there's always going to be someone who's pleased to see you, but every week you have someone and you know for a fact they're going to want to see you. They are, they are looking forward to this and mm. you're part of the experience that you're going to make better. Yeah. It's, it's well, a powerful thing. It's, it's kind sadly, of the experience sadly, of having the, a dog. The people who are most pleased to see me all the time have four legs. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That sounds like the experience of having a dog because any time, if you have a dog, yeah. you walk downstairs, they're like, oh, it's you. You're so great. And you're like, thank you. I am. Um, but yeah, okay. So we talked about a little bit there about how to. Get your so players, stitching. so how to get your players to your friends and and, and maybe going to people. clubs or yeah. random people at conventions online, or at clubs. Yeah. And also, you get online, yeah, what Peter, online ways to get players? I was going to say, no, Peter, to your, to your credit, the club wasn't really something that was really on my radar until mm. I started going to your club. And mm. I'm really, really glad I did. And I would recommend to anyone who's like thinking, ah, oh, it's probably not the sort of thing for me. I probably wouldn't like that. I was that person. And then I started going to that club, and I really look forward to it every week now. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, no, I can t- I can tell you a lot keener on it that you were. So that's that's good. Yeah, no, I never th- I never thought it was the sort of thing I would like doing, and I think there's possibly other people out there who think the same thing. Not the sort of thing I'd like to do. Mm. I mean, oh, I went down there and I knew you, and yeah. so it's not like I was a complete stranger rocking up. Yeah, but, yeah. But you know, I didn't know anyone else apart apart from yeah. Jess, other Jess. I, I mean, part, part of the reason I'm thinking about this so much and writing about it is because I keep on seeing people writing online, I wish I could play. Mm. I wish I could play the game. I'm like, well, yeah, that sucks. I've been there. I appreciate that. Like, yeah. start start your own club. It's yeah. Go to a club. Go to a club, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, you won't be short of people, I assure you. <laughs> and if you're looking at um, online tools so if like getting to a location in person isn't practical for you for whatever reason in your life there's loads of online clubs and things that meet online uh so you can can look them up in your area there's also a a website which is startplayinggames.com where you and some of these are paid services so you pay a gm so they offer times and things like that paizo's been advertising recently there's Mm -hmm. rpg match i've seen 
Was yeah. that the one? I, I, I don't know if it's the same advert that you've seen, but I've seen adverts from RPG Man. I know that Paiso's had a, a, a partnership. Pathfinder's had a partnership with one. It might have been that one. I think it might have been startplayinggames.com. Oh. But there are sites hmm. like that where you can go along and join. And also, if you're wanting to run a game, you can put them, you can put yourself forward on those platforms. And if you're yeah. trying out, because I know startplayinggames.com, you can be a paid GM. But if you're like, do you know what? I'm not a professional and I am just trying it out. Yeah. And you don't mm-hmm. want to charge people. You don't have to charge people. You just be like, hey, I'm running a game for this. And you could even put in the blurb, I'm a new GM trying things out. So you mm. can manage people's expectations in that way. I, I would say that that is actually quite important. You mm-hmm. say, I'm, um, because like things like a common fear that I have seen, part of it is, oh, I don't know if I'll be any good at performing because I'm not up to the standards of, say, Matt Mercer. Mm. And it's like, yeah, you're probably not going to be up to the sound of the Matt Mercer. Matt Mercer is a professional voice actor with a long string of credits, and he runs for a team of professional voice actors with a long string of credits. You're not going to be doing the six and a half hour episode that's his critical role every week. Also, your style's going to be different anyway. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Not, not all different. GMs need to be that performing element yeah. to it. Yeah. Some of my favourite GMs don't actually you know perform in that way and like act and do voices and things like that at all mm. they're people that help manage and run the game and allow mm. people at the table to explore the game so i don't think you you can do that but yeah. i don't think you have to but you don't have to no. anyway yeah. getting us back like, on topic mm. so we talked about places you can find your players yes we briefly scheduling. talked a little bit about scheduling and logistics so we kind of talked about setting up your stall it... with specific dates and times yeah and... I, I, I would argue yeah. that there's three main ways you can schedule games. Okay. There's game night weekly. Yeah. Yes. And you say like what I've know, relied on pretty much for most of my life, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's... Exactly. And and that's a very successful way. Yes. Of the successful games I've seen, not just mm. mine, but other people's, they're like, we've got a schedule and we're sticking to it. It's like every week or every two weeks. And that it's the same day, that's same time, night. same yeah. off time. That, I do that for my long term campaigns, yeah. Uh, it's super reliable because people mm-hmm. know not to put stuff into that slot because mm-hmm. it's game night. Mm-hmm. The next one I've seen, which ha- I have seen work, it's a bit less stable, but if you've got more commitments going on and you can't commit to weekly or bi-weekly, monthly, mm-hmm. like, you know, you've got like your game day or your game night and that occurs like on either the same night or like you, you're committing to one Sunday one Saturday night, something like that, yeah. per month, and you go along and you play there. It's like yeah, that's kind of game night again, isn't it? Just with a bigger yeah. interval. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, exactly. I, I feel that it's probably sufficiently different because there's a bit mm. of room for scheduling, but there is an expectation mm. that this will happen. And the third one, which I see happen very frequently, and which is probably the highest stress, and not by a little bit either, the highest stress way to run a game is ad hoc scheduling, which is, as you were saying, Jessica, when shall we play? Yeah. And that that's that's like I see that on the horror stories. It's, I see people posting and it's not yeah. working. It's a lot. And I I yes. get why you have to do that sometimes because I used to yeah. work in hospitality. I used to own a board game cafe and I did shift yeah. work. And so yeah. I didn't. And a lot of people do shift work and you yeah. don't have a regular night of the week that you're free. And yeah. you sometimes don't control your schedule in advance. So some, I, which is, I think it's a horrible way to run your business is giving people week notice. But anyway, that's a different topic. But some people don't oh, yeah. know until the week before when they are working, mm. when they're free. Mm. Yeah. And so, yeah, you do have to do that ad hoc scheduling. I think where possible, the best way I, to do it is just to lay out a range of dates that you as the GM can do and do voting 
kind of on them like mm. have it like a doodle poll or something where people can tick when they can do and be like hey these are the dates we're doing because these are the dates that most people are free and there's loads of apps you can get for scheduling and i'd, I'd really yeah. recommend doing that but i think the most important thing and it doesn't have to be the 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 bm the the borough master somebody has to take control of the oh. scheduling and be responsible yes. for it so otherwise loads of people just put their dates they're free in and it sits there and everyone likes the equivalent the digital yeah. equivalent of people just staring someone at needs other. to make the decision yeah someone some needs yeah. to make a decision and sometimes yeah. just telling somebody hey you're in charge of getting the dates sorted can you get it sorted by then mm. just telling giving people a task helps it's... so much and i think some people are afraid to do that because they're, they're worried it feels mm. bossy especially if um i know a lot of yeah. a lot of women uh, feel that way is like especially that like hates you know and it's like well no it's not being bossy it's someone just organizing it and making things happen yeah uh, i mean i'm absolutely with you i agree completely mm-hmm. with what you say shift work mm-hmm. is like very hard for gaming and as i say in the context of people who are running their first game ever maybe if you're doing shift work this is not the time in your life to start running a game like i know that's gonna sound horrible and it's not meant to be mm-hmm. like if you want to you can it will be harder like no doubt about it and that's just, that's just something you're going to have to work with. I mean, definitely it's rewarding, it's fun, but honestly, it's like, I don't know if I would be able to do it if I was uh, still on shift work. I, I think it's... Because I'd have to change. I like, think it's you can possible. have a player on shift work, sure. Yeah. I mean, you just know that, I don't know, um, Jenny it, or... It depends, on, it depends on the shift work, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a broad spectrum of... Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Work, like, but, if, uh, they're, if they're doing, like, five days on, five days off, that's going to... Yeah. Be its own thing as opposed to if you're working at, I don't know, like a Starbucks or something mm-hmm. where they, they tell you like the day before or the week before if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. On zero okay. contract out hours. Yeah. Let's, zero hour contract let's not get started. Let's yeah, not get started. That's a whole other issue. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Moving but on, moving on. Also, I think if it's your first one you're doing, I think arranging right. it as a one shot, as one session might be a good idea anyway because then you can run one game pause reflect and learn before you go on to to doing a longer campaign so and then you just got one date to agree so you, it's that so much easier because you, you can just do a poll of when people are free and they can vote and yeah but yeah okay so that's some ideas for scheduling it is coming I, I close will, i will say i will say the as well as scheduling you've got the length of the session mm-hmm. and how many sessions you're going to run because yeah. one shots very valid very strong way to do it as well yeah but getting the timing right yeah if it's very hard to do that because that is something that you really learn through practice, I think. Mm. Yes. You probably agree. Yeah. So yeah. everyone knows that a one-shot takes at least two sessions to fill, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think session length is an interesting one because yeah. I think people have different thoughts on that because I personally mm. yes. find a four-hour session too long for me. Mm. Mm. Um, by, by the time it gets to the last hour, I'm struggling to focus, focus. on the game still. Yeah. Three, hour, three hours is about right for me mm. with, a, with, a break in, with a break in the middle. Yeah, that's, that's about right for me, I think. Um, yeah. Four hours, definitely, I'm start, I am starting to struggle. Which is why a lot of convention games are four hours, and I kind of, like, I struggle with that. It's like going to the cinema and watching a three-hour, well, well, three-and-a-half-hour well, film. But Yeah, like, it was something like we were maybe talking about a little bit earlier. So, convention games are a bit different, but often with a session, you need to have, you, basically, you need to allow for some socialising time. Yeah, yeah. Like, out-of-character socialising time, where mm. people are talking, catching up, and saying, oh, hey, how are you, and, you know... And just like, you know, doing that whole human thing. And yeah, that is, because you're meeting your friends. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or it, uh, strangers at a convention to introduce yourself but, to. But, but they may become friends if you play with them again. Yes. You're, you're not wrong. There are some people I don't know them at all. Mm-hmm. But like, I know I can't even remember the names. But I know there's some guys I know that if I sit down opposite them at a table, 
I am going to have a good time. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes <laughs> experience has shown that is in spite of the GM. Mm. Right, which is an unusual place to be. But some people I know, I don't know. They, we, we are just going to click, we're going to have a good time, role play off each other. Uh, I don't know, I think they just like live different sides of the country or something. And mm. I don't, but you know, yeah, but I just know if I see them at a convention, they're like, I'm going to have a good time playing with this person. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that would, be, that would be my advice. Make sure that you check with people what a, a sort of good length obsession is for them because some people might struggle with like a four or five hour yeah. you might be thinking oh it's gonna be an epic six hour session and some well, people might be thinking oh cool yeah, i can't well, focus for six hours on it you know well like yeah, i say stall, yeah yeah like when i'm when i when i was at university someone says six hour session i'd be like hell yeah let's go and mm. i would want to be playing for six hours mm. now i'm like oh yeah okay I'll, I'll go for it but i know now that you know the flesh is weak and we need to build in some time for socialising. Uh, we probably need to build in some separate time for, like, I don't know, going to the bathroom. And, like, you know, and that's basically a chance freshen your drinks, an official stop, as opposed to people just getting up and down. Which is fine, by the way. You know, always have if, your safety If you need course. to go, you need to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like, you Not know, sometimes if you know... <laughs> it, but, but if you know that there's, like, a specific time, it's like it's just like a little break, a little intermission. Sort of thing. You but I mean, some call them comfort breaks. But if you want to think of it as an intermission, it's an intermission. Mm. You pop up, you get a drink, have a you know, have a have a smoke if that's what you're after, and then you come back, stretch your legs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because actually, sitting down, I can't no longer sit in one chair for unless it's my trusty computer chair, which is extremely comfortable. Mm-hmm. Most chairs I find absolutely yeah. painful after a couple of hours. I need to get up and wander around, mm. and that can be distracting. So yeah. I rely on my DMs to accommodate me. Absolutely, and I yeah. and I think as the GM laying that out when everyone uh, like in advance so people know how long it's yeah. going to be, start and end times, and also laying it out at the beginning of the session is I really useful. I don't know if it makes me sound like a, an air host or something, but I, when we do sit down, I give people a little bit of time to socialise and sit, and I go, okay, right, we're going to get started. So we're going to play through. I think the session's going to last till X time. Is that okay for everybody? About halfway through, I'll give us a break for five or ten minutes, but if people want to call it in between, just let me know. So just lay out your stall in advance so people know what's going on, and then they feel like someone's in control and knows what's going on. And most people want someone else to be in control and tell them what's going on, so that's quite nice anyway. Yeah. But but you say you you might be a bit like an air hostess when you do it, but do you do the whole safety thing? I do when I run ten candles, because there's literal fire (laughs) involved. So I do have my safety talk of like, we're going yep. to be using fire. This is how we are doing that. In the event of a fire getting out of... <laughs> the, the, the exactly. <laughs> yeah. And when I had it, I had a fire extinguisher, a fire blanket with me, nice. a jug of water, and pointed out the exits. Uh, I was yeah. like, yes, literal fire. So that was a very yeah. safety briefing. Cause I was, and um, yeah. I also did nice. my uh, session zero safety briefing about mm. safety tools and we went through lines and veils mm. and things like that but yeah. safety tools the whole of the uh, session but yeah. at the top mm. of my session I sat down and I was like hey this is what we're doing this is the length of time this is the physical things if you need to do a safety talk because you're lighting things on fire yeah. use that phase and then I did a session zero just to check yeah. that one in advance I'd done um, safety tools so I'd got people to just fill out a form of any topics that were and weren't okay and shared it with everyone but I just did a mm. summary of that I was like as a reminder we're not having these things in the game because it was a horror game and I wanted to check. I was like, yeah. what horror plot, plot topics do we not want? I mean, talking about but... sessions here, they don't necessarily have to be a session on their own. No. They can be 10 minutes before the game. You know, it's, it's just a word, session for, zero. For I mean, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. For but, a campaign, yeah, I would do a yeah, session possibly. for a Yeah, possibly. If it's a one-shot, then 
Yeah, because yeah. I did one of those literally the week, and it was it was really nice because we sat and built our characters together. So we pretty much sat, talked about what we wanted mm. from the game, and then spent the other couple of hours just writing our character sheets together whilst we're chatting, which is quite nice. But anyway, yeah. yeah. So winning yeah. my first game, that was is literally like a five minute beginning. Yeah. So yeah, that was me I, putting up my stall, talking about length of time and, and breaks. Yeah, I I, mm. I find the language of TV to actually be a really helpful way to conceptualize and to explain what mm-hmm. we're doing. Yeah. So mm. essentially, like a one shot. If that's not a pilot episode, do I even know what a pilot episode is? Yeah. 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 And it's like the, the hope, I guess, with every one shot is that you tell the story and then they're sort of like, oh, that was good. Let's do some more. And you want Can to Can we do it again? Oh, yeah. I would, yeah. I would, well, maybe not the same story, but a lot of my one shots, oh. I tend to think of them more like movies. I want it to be a self-contained story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, to, again, yeah. That, I, I've definitely written mm-hmm. ones like that, which mm-hmm. are... This 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 is a whole story. This is a start. This is a finish, and mm-hmm. we are going to yeah. go from A to B via the various choices and mm-hmm. end it. Yeah. But for things like you know, if you're keen on introducing players to a system, so it's like yeah. what what you're planning to. Do. And again, for a first time GM, mm-hmm. I guess like it's a pilot episode, and you get to decide that was the worst experience of my life. I will never do that to myself ever again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair play. It's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Or you might be saying, oh no, I just felt like I did everything wrong. And that is super normal. Mm. You just you just think you suck, like, quite often. Uh, but actually, they're fine. It's like, the thing I always say is, when players keep coming back, you know you can't be doing it that bad. Mm. If they're staying away, that, 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 that's like, you know, the, the sort of, like, the gold standard. It's like, are they coming back? If they're coming back, then they want to play some more. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, so we talked a little bit about Timing, things like that. Are there any other practical considerations for structuring your session, Peter, that we haven't thought about? Yeah, it's like things like table talk. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like uh, we talk about that, like everyone knows what it is. So table talk, to me, refers to players chatting around the table. Mm-hmm. And your group size is going to have an effect on that. If you have three players, table talk may be quite minimal, depending if you've got three players in a short session. If you're running a two-hour game... Of necessity, like jokes around and messing around, will tend to be quite, 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 quite minimal, and that's not really what you want. You want to be focused on telling stories so that you finish what you're doing in your one shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you've got like an eight hour day, then there's going to be bits where they're looking for breaks, and there's things like um, if you're doing a horror game, it's actually really super normal for players to start telling jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because they're like they are, they are stressed, and they are just trying to deal with this Break stress by hu- with humour. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or if they feel like they're in danger, they may start talking about, "Oh yeah, yeah, we're just going to totally destroy these monsters." Yeah, we're we're here for it. We'll be totally amazing. And again, it's like this isn't saying that your game is bad or that you're bad or the encounter mm-hmm. is too easy. What they're trying to do is they're trying to psych themselves up to deal with their fear of the unknown. So. So what was your guidance for new GMs to... Because I can... Your guidance might be different for what I did, because my first game I ran was a horror game. Um, and um, I I wanted people to not make jokes and do that. And I literally said at the beginning, I was like, hey, so this is a horror game and it really thrives on tension being built as we go mm. through. As we're doing that, the temptation for us all socially is going to be to break that tension by making jokes and comments and things like that. But what I want us to try and do... Um, is mm-hmm. sit in that tension and let it build and that's the kind of experience I want us to have so if we could so I, I kind of just said that to them I was like I, I tried to set the table and set the tabletop thing is that the kind of thing you would you were you getting at with that I'm approaching it with a different lens because mm-hmm. everyone's asking oh 
I wish I could play D and D. That requires a different set of things, maybe. But mm. I, I would definitely say the principle of if you want something, say what it is. Yeah. In those words, and that will help. Yeah. <laughs> you might not get it, but if you do not say yeah. what you want, you will de- you you will probably not get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like table talk is very much a. Depends on the sort of social dynamic at the group, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that is something you can't really sort of set rules for in advance because yeah. you know every group is different, every yeah. person is different, every situation is different, and the, 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 the games are different. They've got different tones, mm. which is a good and necessary thing. Like I tend to prefer less table talk, or if it's focused about the game, if people talk about something else, I dislike that because I'm. I'm very focused. I, I'm again, again it depends on the game. Um, and your I mean, it's your I think, group dynamic. Yeah, I think the big thing is if you're if you're at the point where the GM is tra- having to try to interrupt to get you know to say something and, tra- and, and trying to, to make themselves hurt, then probably something's gone wrong there. You know, it, it's po- it's possible for people to get very distracted. Mm. There's, there's a lot of talk about a lot of things. I would say sometimes table talk can be really good. For instance, I was in a game with, I think we had seven players, not counting mm. the GM. So part of the way I was doing stuff is like just having like little side conversations, not about anything major, but just in character, riffing yeah. between some people and yeah. coming up with ideas and saying, oh, so what are you, what are you mm. planning here to yeah. do and what are we going to do about this? Yeah. I think the and other then, thing too, there are different types of players as well. Very and good. if you've got six people sitting in your players, not all of those six people are going to be there for the same reason. Oh, absolutely. Some of them might just be there for the social re- for a social reason. Some of them might be because they want an immersive role playing experience. Most yeah. people will be somewhere in the middle, but not everybody is necessarily going to be there for the same reason. Well, and yeah. accommodating that as a as a GM, especially if you don't know the people, um, yeah. it can be hard because you don't necessarily know. They might not know what reason that you know necessarily. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, so that, that that's the thing. I think it's just important to be aware that you know, for some people, are there for social reasons as well. Yeah. And that is important yeah. to them as well as the plot of the game. So, and again, that depends on the game and it depends on the group and it depends on all yeah. sorts of stuff. But. Yeah. But I'm just saying that if you're expecting to finish your game within a certain time, mm. then you have to be aware that this thing called table talk exists and it can move away from the game. But the important thing is to remember, is everyone having a good time? Mm-hmm. If everyone mm. is having a good time, you have succeeded. And ways you can tell that they're having a good time is one, they say, that was good. That's a really good way to tell that people have had a good time. Mm-hmm. They, they, you're like, okay, well, they seem happy. They're smiling yeah. and talking mm. about the game. That's that's really good. Great feedback. And again, as I say, they keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't, don't just ask them because they'll say yes because they're not going to say anything else. But um, well, I mean, generally speaking, I don't, think, yeah. I don't think if anyone ever asked me whether they had a good time, I'm never going to say no. If someone's hosted an event, that's that's too broad a question. But if you genuinely want feedback on your GM style, I don't think I'd ever be comfortable doing that. To be honest, I I ask for things like stars and wishes. That's what I say. I've done that in your game, Russ. We did when I was a player in your game. We did stars and wishes, which was a way for us to give feedback and say, "Hey, I would like this in the game as a player." Yeah, Yeah, but it's it's not. Nobody would ever turn around and say, "I didn't. I had a bad time." Would they? Well, no, because you're an well, excellent game master. So why well, would they there's that? that as well. But uh, I think that's a, that's a hard thing to expect people to do. Yeah, because yeah, I no. don't think I could do it. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think there's like roses and forms and stars and wishes, and mm-hmm. these are similar but related concepts. Mm-hmm. What was amazing? That's a rose. What sucks? That's a form. And uh, you can ask for and stars and wishes lets people say, "Well, I'd like more of this," mm-hmm. or maybe I wish there wasn't yeah. as much of that. Yeah. Um, 
But feedback and reflecting upon how it is, whilst keeping a sense of proportion, is key to getting better yeah. at anything. But especially games mastering. Or yeah. burger mastering, sorry. I just kind of think if I, you know, went to have dinner at somebody's house and they said to me, did you have a nice time last night? I would just say yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah. I mean, it just depends upon how they're asking. Well, was that okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, or is there anything that you would like to see more of or different? Is a specific measured request. Yeah, that's a different way. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. It's conversations like this that lead me more into realising how not neurotypical I am. (laughs) Because if if somebody made dinner for me at their house and I didn't like the food, they said, oh, did you, like, come around, did you enjoy it? If I didn't like the food, I would say, oh, no, it wasn't really my type of thing with the flavours, but thank you for cooking it. I appreciate you doing that. Mm. And, like, I... I, throughout my life, I'm just learning that a lot of people find that rude. But to me, I'm just like, mm. but that's where I am. Uh, and so there yeah. are so many things that I think I, because I, because uh, that's why when I'm running games, I very, you know, that conversation we had about table talk, I really just mm. outline kind of what I is and isn't okay yeah. at my table. And I think for me, because I love rules and structure in that sense, because I love knowing where the boundaries are. So if someone says to me, oh, we're doing this, or we're not doing this, isn't okay. I'm like, great. I know exactly where I am. I know exactly how to operate here um but i know loads of other people have said and would feel that if a gm sat down and was like okay so we're not i I don't want you to have side conversations and also what i said about hey i know you're going to want to make jokes but can you refrain from doing that because i want to build the tension they would find that restrictive and find rules to be like a restrictive ruining the fun sort of thing so i think it's interesting Um, with social perspectives on things like that um because people are going to have different things i mean like especially in role-playing games which are structured socially this very day i have had someone write to me and they were talking oh yeah yeah. i had a player that was constantly asking about advancement through treasure in 3.5 mm-hmm. i'm like i can see a point in my life where i said oh they're just like power gaming but i'm like well actually what what they're doing is they've got a rule set and they're asking you to follow the rules mm. because they would quite like to have the rules for the thing that they've got in front of them be followed because that that is what is agreed, right? We're not playing a different game. We're just playing this one here. It's got rules and we're not doing it at all. So I'm like, yeah, okay, now I can see that would be, like, from the GM point of view, it would be a bit, oh, why is this person asking me for this stuff? And then from the player point of view, it's like, well, of course they're asking for this stuff because that's the In purpose. the rule book, yeah. Yeah, mm. it's like, um, I I know someone, a friend, a friend of a friend's husband, their first time they ever played a game, they designed their character for 5th edition to be all about the exploration and have all mm. the supplies and to be able to make sure they had all the supplies nice. they needed. Yes, and then when encumbrance wasn't even mentioned, let alone tracked, mm. and supplies were never, ever, ever used, this this was uh, this was an off-putting experience. Yeah, them. yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's yeah. the other thing about the types of players. So people there for yeah. different reasons, people like different things. Like, Jess, yeah. you couldn't give a crap about the rules half the time, could you? You've said many times. I mean, no, yeah. I mean, right. I exaggerate a little, but that's not that's not what the, you're there yeah, for. Yeah, though, the yeah. rules are a means to an end for me. Yeah. yeah. I just want to sit and play pretend with my friends like we're children. We yeah. do need rule sets so that we all agree and understand what's going on. Uh, mm. So we need to agree on what the, the rules of the game are. But, but you're not going to sit there and start asking why the encumbrance rules aren't being used or something. Or some obscure, detailed minutiae of the rules or something like that are you because that's not the sort of thing that you look for um yeah probably not i mean if there was a rule that i thought we we're using and we weren't i might ask mm. and be like oh i thought this was the rule yeah. mm. but then 
most G- a lot of GMs I've had have gone, oh yeah, that is that is what it says in the book, but I'm just going to do this. And then I go, okay, because as long as you tell me what we're doing, you're fine. Anything's yeah. fine. I just need to know. I just need to know what it is. I think most people are like that. Like if in advance that encumbrance example, the GM had said, hey, I know there's all these rules and that. I'm going to be a little rules light and be playing it a little rule of cool. That person yeah. could have then gone, maybe this isn't the game for me. Uh, exactly. And we've talked about rule of cool versus rules written before and the pros and benefits and people have different opinions and mm. they can both exist. But I think you just need mm. to make it clear what you're doing because everyone mm. that has me as a GM knows I am not going to be, I usually pick rules light things and I'm not the person that is going to know all the rules all the time. Like if I do run a 5e game or something, as a player, I'm going to expect you to know how to play your character and um, I don't expect i'm not going to know absolutely everything but but i lay that out in advance i'm not like hey i'm really detailed into knowing these things so if we do have a type of player that that's important to them i'm probably not a good gm for them so i try and turning this into advice as we're saying for new gms i would say really try and lay out your table in advance and say what's how you're going to run it and what your plans are to do that that is absolutely fascinating to me what because i like to i i would prefer to over communicate yeah like the sort of game I'm going to run. Yeah. But then I run into the problem of how much information is too much. Well, what I tend to do is when I'm doing it is give a short blurb that's like a little tiny bits of information. I bullet point it so people read as much as they want to. And then because I'm a massive nerd, I make a video trailer about the theme of it that goes into more. (laughs) And people can or cannot watch that and that goes into more information. Mm. And then usually if people are interested, I usually make a Discord channel. I have different channels with the rules in da 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 and so i put all the information there so it's accessible and available but people can choose and that's from running it online if i'm running it in person i'm i've and a one shot convention i wouldn't do all this obviously um but it allows people to engage with it as much as they want i like to provide as much information i try and structure it in a way that you can i like have the too long didn't read section at the top there's like two sentences so you can just uh but I also try and structure it so it's laid out there. But I'm very uptight about the way things are laid out like that because I think with work, that's what I do as well, reverse nodding, because I'm like looking at all the little details and all the stuff and like things like that and bringing it all together. That's kind of just how my mind works. So I think having too, having all the information there but structuring it in a way that you can ignore it if you choose would be the best kind of way to lay out your table, hmm. would be my thought. Okay. I'm willing to be disagreed with. I am digesting it. I guess I'm just wondering, I think probably if you're going to advise a new GM, it's like probably the best thing to do is grab a written adventure already because that gives you a natural mm-hmm. structure to work off and mm-hmm. you can learn a lot from reading and running from it. Mm-hmm. Grab uh, a starter set, basically. They're usually pretty much designed yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, starter sets are very good for that. Yeah, and then you can just say, I'm running this adventure module and then if people yeah. are interested, they can Google it and get as much information as they want about the vibe, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here we are. We are we are looking at Peter's Kickstarter, which ends in 57, 56, 55 seconds. It's on £2,146. It's got yep. 95 backers, and it ends in under a minute. It is so exciting. I, 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 I actually picked up a couple of backers whilst we have been recording. <laughs> mm. And I'm watching it kick down in real time, and it's turned red yeah. now. The, the, the oh. seconds have turned red. As they do, as it gets to the end, and waiting for when it gets to the end, you get these fireworks. It's really exciting. Oh, yeah. Twenty nine seconds. I, I've uh, yeah, get this. Yeah. Are you happy with how this one has gone? 
Yeah, yes, I'm, I'm I'm really delighted. I it's it's a very niche project, but it's aimed at those people Danger. who just don't want to be told what to do and want to be able to Five, do their own thing and want to do it four, at speed. Three, two, two, one. one. Happy Ooh, New Year! There we go. Look at those fireworks. Oh yeah. Oh, the there you go. They're like confetti cannons. Those are nice back. It's two thousand one hundred and forty-six pounds. Congratulations. Oof, yeah, no, I mean that—that's a. Uh, now, now you have to make. Now you have to make a book. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I well, fortunately, I've written quite a bit of it already. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no, but like, the, it's not—it's not fully complete. And also, I didn't know how much more book I was going to have to write because mm. this is probably my first proper experiment with putting extra content stretch goals in. Yeah, because I knew it was going to need some, but that was, mm. this is absolutely fantastic result. I am delighted. Congratulations. My fourth successful Kickstarter. Well done. Congratulations. Get it done, get it out. Yeah, oh. Okay. So so. I think we should wind up. Having completely solved this problem and um, provided the (laughs) definitive and (laughs) exhaustive (laughs) instruction manual on how to organise a game. Oh, lots of typing ahead for me then. Um. (laughs) If if, if listening to us ramble wasn't uh, structured enough for you, though, Peter's going to put a blog out, post out. So maybe if we put the link in the show notes to your blog, so if people are interested in having a more structured and written out version of this, they can read it there. Hmm. I will will definitely give it a go. I don't know if I'll be able to finish it before Daryl has turned this into a podcast because it's very quick. Why? Do you have like a Kickstarter to fulfill and write or something? Oh, yeah, that. (laughs) <laughs> okay no no I just I just have to finish it off but it's like it's just been quite a long day so I need to go for a walk uh, clear my head but this has been very good so thank you very much alright alright right, let's get out of here then thanks very much folks bye 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 apparently I now have to read this to you This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Let me open up the topic sheet and see if we've got any topics that we haven't talked about and ideas of things we can talk about. Because we like to have things to talk about on the podcast.